Привет, Бэп. Or, as we Russians say, салам пополам. Yes, salam alaikum. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I have uh, decided to become a Chechen. And as you know, the Chechens are an inclusive people. There are even small villages I've heard in Chechnya that included Germans uh, and such. I, I don't know if this is true, but the Chechens are a kind of expansive people, small but expansive. Yeah, it's true. It's very trendy to become a trans-Chechen nowadays. Yes. So let's start with a question. Yes. What are you guys drinking? I'm drinking grapefruit juice that I squeezed myself and I mixed it with a little bit of Russian-made Cointreau substitute that they now make in Kaluga. What about you guys? Uh, what what is Kaluga? It sounds uh, that sounds like a dangerous. Uh, what is it? It's like Kaliuga, but a city. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cozy little uh, city, just uh, yes. south southeast southwest of Moscow. It's uh, probably within the next ten years or so, it will become part of Moscow region, considering how much Moscow is expanding. It's. Uh, Almost yes. a suburb, almost. Yes, I have to tell you about grapefruit juice. Uh, some people don't know that it potentiates or interferes in any case with many kinds of medications. So uh, you may want to think about what supplements you're taking while you take grapefruit juice. And if you're only, uh, for example, older people or whoever is on um, blood pressure meds, when they drink grapefruit juice it can become quite dangerous it just um, mm. makes them that much that much stronger and i i think the combination with quantro is guaranteed to induce vom vomitation excuse me to, to be anesthetic no yeah <laughs> i think it won't it i'm not on any meds uh, but yeah <laughs> I, i once mixed uh, elderberry flower or elderflower liqueur with Uh, champagne and uh yeah this this it may be puked disgusting <laughs> yeah you're asking what i'm drinking i i don't mean to uh monopolize the microphone kirill maybe you want to say what you're drinking i am drinking a collagen with coffee and a, uh, an ice cube and i'm having a cigar is this okay yes cigar I stopped is good. what kind of cigar are you smoking No, it's not a cigar. It's a cigarillo. It's a small ah, cohiba cigarillo. because mm -hmm. uh, I'm inside. And if I was going to smoke a cigar, you know, and then I'd have to keep relighting it also. But uh, I've stopped drinking lately. Uh, if you drink, it causes chronic depression. And I was drinking every day. And for events that I don't want to get into since this summer, I've been drinking just tremendous amounts of alcohol And I was sure that something, would, but then I went to to the doctor to because I want to get methamphetamine prescribed, and so I had a battery of tests done, and um, I was sure there would be something wrong with me after drink, but no, my tests are perfect. You know, there's nothing wrong, so I can I can still take much alcohols, but I, I've decided to complete stop drinking because uh, yes, it causes chronic low grade depression, and and I. I don't know. I think Solbra is correct on this one. Yeah, I think it's nice not to drink, uh, especially after all those years of moderate drinking or social drinking. It's really exciting to be a teetotaler, but it's not exciting to go teetotal for life, right? I think yes. it's a bit strange. 
but uh, for a time period for a year maybe it's great yeah and the best thing about not drinking is the dreams because uh, alcohol kind of destroys the REM sleep and you don't really dream much when you're not drinking dreams are fantastic very very lucid you know i always hear this but all my most vivid dreams were always when i slept drunk so that's very know. weird maybe so, i have i, I never I have dream brain damage drunk. or something kirill are you drinking too are you having hot cocoa what are you having uh, i'm having pt coffee with coconut oil PTSD coffee? What is that? PT. <laughs> oh, P- oh, PT, yes. yes. Ray Pete. BPD coffee. <laughs> yeah, BPD coffee. Well, the thing about Ray Pete is I was one of the first to introduce him so-called to the uh, online sphere. Um, yes. And uh, now I'm being attacked as inconsistent because I've told people I think he's mentally ill in some of his dietary advice and so on. Actually, I think PT coffee, the way you described, is an excellent idea. But um, uh, it's part of this view of intellectual life where it's this uh, excuse, I don't want, I don't mean to be rude. I don't know what what kind of constraints you have over there in Russia, what you can say, but it's the kind, the rabbinic model of intellectual life where, oh, I have praised Ray Pete. It must mean I must follow the rabbi master Ray <laughs> Pete in every single regard. And if I ever criticize him, it must mean I have turned against him wholesale and I must have some other uh, uh, devious agenda to push against Ray Pete. But uh, in fact, I always thought his ideas about hormones were great and his view of the human physiology was very interesting the uh, seeing it as systems and the role of hormones that nobody else talks about in quite that way. But uh, his dietary advice, I, I was never for completely because, yes, it, is, it does make people obese if, if it's followed religiously. And, and then there are many stupid things that he says, such as to, uh, the fish, you know, no eating fish, or you can't eat raspberries because they have seeds or uh, his crusade against avocado and so forth. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to go on this tangent, uh, but... Uh... No, it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. And I think it's a very general thing, what you said about that normies or like people with average uh, to below average intelligence or sometimes even above average, uh, they tend to make a cult out of everything. Like they can't just read Ray P's work and just look at it and think about it and uh, maybe incorporate some of the stuff that they agree with, but it's they always turn it into a religious cult. And it's, this happens to everything, really. It happens to everything and it's much... Yeah, it's much worse than that. It's not just the cult aspects of it. I don't even think it's necessarily the cult. Uh, it's it's the PR. Everybody's always doing PR. And so yeah. if, for example, I post something praising Emperor Julian's view of uh, ancient religion, you know, immediately you're bombarded with the PR view. Oh, but did you know that he also said this at another point? He is discredited. Therefore, you know, uh, did you know that he lost the battle against the Persians? He's not a real man because he lost the battle. Therefore, he's wrong about what he said about religion. You see, this kind of stupidity is just really nonstop. And the online sphere has been so infested with idiots. The two of you have been around for a long time. I remember... Uh, we were around 2015, 14, maybe you were before. We were freer to talk about ideas at the time and the excitement of ideas. And now it's 
yes, it's these kind of normie-oriented people where they've learned from TV that it's PR all the time and they think they're Madison Avenue uh, or uh, Republican or Democrat uh, consultant that they saw on West Wing. And so they think they're always doing PR tricks. You know, so if you praise uh, Clagus, oh my, Clagus also, did you know that he jerked off to, they found child porn on Ludwig Klavis computer did you know that you know, this kind of thing yeah. yeah I think I think one of the main aspects is here is that uh, there's just very few um, original thinking nowadays it's always just rehashing what has already been said like six or seven years ago yes. and as such there is just little actual like you know the kind of discussion where new ideas are born it's mostly just uh, people repeating ancient things and trying to find ways to dunk on each other. And yes. it's just not original at all. Yes, yes. I, uh, regarding alcohol, if I may, if I may go back for uh, yeah, sure. a, a moment to discussion of alcohols. Um, one reason I started to drink uh, uh, quite a lot again, and by the way, uh, by a lot, it's obviously... You know, alcoholics drink just uh, uh, an unbelievable amount. I think they drink something like uh, a, a bottle of hard liquor a day equivalent. So I'm not talking about that level of drinking. But for a long time, I had stopped drinking uh, more or less because I, it was no longer having uh, effects of euphoria, you know. And the, the best part of alcohol is the initial euphoria you get. Of course, everyone experiences differently. But for me, I get a euphoria and excitement in the beginning and then after a while if i keep drinking it doesn't it just makes me tired it doesn't have uh, it doesn't take you higher and so um i stopped for a while because the initial euphoria element had almost disappeared and i thought it was overuse or whatever but in fact i found out that if if you just don't eat and you drink instead you get that euphoria again and so I have uh, been on a kind of uh, cutting diet and I realized that you can use alcohol to, to help that. And so, you know, the equivalent of, let's say, a bottle of, of wine or so per day, which isn't that many calories, it's five or 600. But if, you know, you can use that as a food substitute and it gives you incredible euphoria, which takes away from the boredom, yes. Look, I'm sorry if this bores you, this talk of alcohol. No, I remember reading a memoir of a Soviet engineer who talked about also cutting down on food and only drinking wine all day and eating fruits. And yes. that was his diet for months. And yes. uh, yeah, there is something to it probably. But uh, yeah. Well, you end up looking like Wellebeck if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in that sense, tobacco is a more honest drug because it doesn't give you euphoria in the first place. It just makes you, well, mellow and tired a bit. Are you saying tobacco? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it's one of the most potent nootropics and I only started yes. smoking a couple of years ago. And uh, it's just incredible the way that they are demonizing tobacco, still trying to ban it, where uh, it's obvious that modern society only was able to achieve its feats of engineering and science uh, during a tobacco, uh, let's say the heyday of tobacco period of the 20th century. That that kind of, of mankind's advancement to the stars, to, I, they were um, smoking, chain smoking nonstop 
in, yeah. in hard science departments, engineering uh, centers that, that took care of the trip to the moon and so on. And now it's instead this demonization by idiots. I was on the street on the way to, to record with you now, and I was smoking on the street, and there was this cunt, excuse me, can I say that word? Will, will Putler, yes. will Putler, <laughs> yes, this, this cunt was yards away, meters and meters away. She was not near me, and uh, the wind happened to blow some of my smoke towards her, and she made such a show out of getting out of the way, and probably this person, you know, you can imagine what goes in her diet, or she injects in herself zogged medication every week. Uh, I mean, uh, 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 not every week, but you know what I mean with the COVID thing and so on. But no, no, no a whiff of tobacco it will destroy her virtuous purity, you know. <laughs> yeah. When uh, the scientists stopped chain smoking, uh, many of them started putting dicks in their mouths instead. So <laughs> there's something to your theory, really, about the industrialization <laughs> and... Uh, yes and chain smoking because it yes. really fits uh, the i've said era. before i i've said before if the romans had had access to coffee and tobacco they would have easily conquered the world and built temples to jupiter on mars yes i believe this i uh, i don't know if you follow the debates online about what happened to ancient rome and this these religious changes it's about what i posted from julian for some reason well, let's not get into that. That's a, that's a very controversial subject. But uh, yes, I just mean to say that, can I repeat the Nietzschean lines on your show? But I know you have an audience and, and Putler will, will censure me if I say this, but uh, it's... Uh, it's fine. We don't self-censor all that much. <laughs> uh, yes, I just, I just think uh, that, that uh, as time goes on, you see what was added to the Christian religion over time by European men, it gets taken down by the new, the new man who is the democratic man who has no taste for what happened in intervening centuries. And these religions are, are made to return to the root where I see everything that comes out of the Bible as a technology for slave mobilization. That means Judaism as well as its derivatives of which the most the, the closest derivative of Judaism, of course, is Islam, notwithstanding their present uh, uh, squabbles and so on. But historically, they've been very close. And uh, I, I see this as forms of slave mobilization. The worst of them, of course, is, yes, again, Islam, because when you look at Islamic cities, they're all slums. Look, I know you didn't want to talk about I don't mean to derail your show about these things, but... I, I think people have some misunderstanding about what slum world originates. Uh, well, slum world origin. Of course, other religions have slums too, you know. A little disclaimer. So me and Kirill are Orthodox Christians. So naturally, we do not subscribe to any heretical ideas that you can hear on this show. But we are entirely pro-free speech and open conversation. It's much more interesting this way. I think in general, uh, you know, like um, Orientalism, uh, you know, this uh, European tradition of being fascinated by the East yes. and its wisdom and this uh, hypertrophied interest in Arabia, China, India and so TBF. on. It is a phenomenon <laughs> that generally appears only among the, the very purest of uh, intellectuals, of real ivory tower intellectuals, because it is mainly a 
literary fiction and in real life most of these societies are quite or places are quite filthy and repulsive and uh, so it is a very romantic fantasy well yes and actually european fixations with uh, semitic and near eastern gods and religions and so on is very old in that sense Again, can I say the word, a certain population? See, it's almost a, a blasphemy a blasphemy rule where you're not allowed to criticize, uh, you're not allowed to criticize uh, the Bible because you can't say the Jews this and that. But when you see what Tacitus said about, said about them and compare it to, to present day and so on. But uh, you see what the Bible, I think, was in its beginnings, which I, I think it, it was a kind of, slave mobilization technology, ideological technology, let, let's put it that way. Uh, the Egyptians saw it this way, and uh, Tachitus' source is, is likely someone in, in Egypt. But then I think this got transferred to all of, all of its derivatives. Yes, all of its derivatives. And over time, maybe that element got weeded out, but, but now it's being used for that purpose again. I don't, uh, maybe you didn't want to talk this on this show, perhaps. Mm. I don't know. But Beb, uh, aren't you also engaging in Orientalism with your admiration for Tibet? Is there any difference between American admiration of Tibet and fixation on uh, Crimea, Palestine or Taiwan? I don't think there is any American fixation on Tibet at the moment. It was um, a fad maybe 20-something uh, Yeah, in the 80s ago. maybe. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and it, it was uh, perhaps heartfelt um, Orientalism on behalf of people like Richard Gere and others. But now you'll notice that they've completely stopped talking about it. It's just disappeared in the same way that advocacy for animal rights has, has mostly disappeared. I mean, there's Glenn Greenwald and who else? When you look at the charity balls in the United States, and I've asked... You know, I've asked rich people I know, you're invited to these charity balls all the time. How many of them are to save the gorillas? How many of them are uh, even to clear uh, plastic in the oceans, which of course never gets mentioned anymore because the prime polluters are East Asian countries and, and, and various Islamic countries, but mainly East Asian countries and so on. And um, you'll notice that these uh, subjects have mostly disappeared and they are instead replaced by the nebulous thing of climate change, which uh, doesn't really do anything for the environment. It's just um, a scheme for wealth redistribution under the, the pretense of the environment. But uh, along with these has disappeared the matter of Tibet. And, uh, um, well, is you're really asking two things, which I can go into if, if you'd like. On one hand, there is the matter of Orientalism, which isn't wrong as such, Again, the Greco-Roman world was also fascinated with matters from the Near East. My only point was that they happened, the Mediterranean world, uh, the Roman world happened for whatever reason to fixate on this one sect happened to win out. And within it was a core that people like Nietzsche say, after the religious aspects got secularized. The, the religious aspects got forgotten, right? Because I agree with him that nobody really believes in the religious aspects today. Nobody believes truly in the eternity of the soul and the salvation uh, aspects of it. They just uh, believe in the in the morality that came along with it, and that 
particular morality, which you also find, I think, in a, in a slightly different form in the Old Testament and also in 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 Islam, I shouldn't even say the Old Testament because these aren't really textual things. It's uh, it's embodied somewhat in the in the in the peoples that existed at the time. Again, I there's a de facto blasphemy law around the world, so I can't even say the the words, you know. But um, it was that that core of it that that is possibly destructive, you see. But the Orientalism itself, the, that is not necessarily bad. And I can get into why I like Tibet, but I disagree with the idea that uh, it's a popular cause in the West at all today. You very rarely see pro-Tibet protests. Uh, you don't hear celebrities doing it anymore. And so, yes, I posted, I think today or yesterday, in response to Elon shaking hands with the president of uh, of of China, I said, well, uh, and he said, peace and prosperity for all. And I asked, what about Tibet? And if you look at the replies, it's just, um, it, it's full of so many cinephiles and Han shills and so on, chimping out that I mentioned Tibet and using uh, arguments that they wouldn't for any other case, claiming that China ended slavery in Tibet and so on. I think Xinjiang is uh, more popular cause nowadays than Tibet. Well, like, Taiwan also, yeah. yeah. No, well, it's a bit different, but still. Well, there was the slavery in Tibet, but uh, you can argue that uh, the entire China is a slave country or whatnot, but still. China is a slave state right now. But uh, when you have Gavin Newsom give a red welcome to the, to the Red Han uh, President Xi, and close down the streets and clean up San Francisco, which is an image. Yeah, I found that extremely funny. It has those. It has really uh, Soviet vibes, you know. Yes. With like the general secretary coming to visit some provincial town. And, well, of course and, it does. And the mayor has to clean everything up, paint the trees, paint the sidewalks, and so on. San Francisco is an emerging Chinese city. And so I disagree that the United States, well, Diane Feinstein used false environmental reasoning to close down America's rare earth industry because her husband was the sole importer of rare earth metals from China. And then you find out that she had a Chinese spy on as her driver for 20 years. Diane Feinstein is obviously a Chinese asset. And these things go back a long time in the United States. You want to talk about the 1990s. Bill Clinton was elected on Chinese money, which is why the United States then transferred missile technology to China. Uh, I think it was called Laurel Space Technology or Laurel Technology. This guy, Bernie Schwartz, under Clinton, he transferred illegally, illegally uh, United States uh, technology to China. So the idea that America is this anti-Chinese thing, is, is, you don't hear about Tibet anymore. No, the, much of the American government, I believe, is, is bribed, owned by China. In the same way that Japanese uh, commentators used to say in the 1980s that American politicians are whores. You can give them $20,000, $30,000 through various means, take them on a private plane ride, give them a whore, they'll do what you say, and that they're quite cheap. Of course they're cheap. I mean, think about the kind of people who go into in politics in the United States. So, no, I disagree that that the Tibet thing. But I can get into the details of why I and others uh, on the right are for Tibet, you know. 
if you want. Yeah, we can do that. But if uh, American politicians and senators are just cheap whores, why didn't Putler just buy them all? I don't. I can't answer for what Mr. Putler does. Mr. Putler seems to. Why did Why did Mr. Putler choose to do his war in Ukraine the way he did? Which I don't care what people say. I think it was a failure because of how brutal it ended up being. How many Ukrainians ended up dying? Um, some Russians too, of course. Uh, why not just do a wave of assassinations against the Ukrainian government? Um, why Why do it this way? Obviously, Mr. Putler does not have an intelligence apparatus like is claimed, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Well, maybe it was his design to kill as many Ukrainians as uh, possible. Uh, what does it uh, help us to kill Zelensky in an assassination, really? Because there are thousands of such Zelenskys in Ukraine. It wouldn't solve anything, really. I do think that assassination solves everything. Assassination of leaders, you know, my favorite Islamic sect, the assassins from <laughs> from uh, this this uh, they were widely feared and they achieved many aims like this. Yes, and I am reading. I am reading Runciman's history of the Crusades right now, and he uh, just got to the part in the second book about the assassins. It's really quite fascinating. Yes, uh, I, I do think it achieves, and I think you know. Uh, I'm not endorsing anything. I'm not even a political actor. I'm just a humorist. But I am allowed to observe the odd thing that so-called terrorism today is always some retard chimping out in a discotheque or a pizzeria or, you know, it's never what it used to be, which is assassination of of leaders. Uh, and then world governments also don't practice this against each other anymore. So, uh, I mean, I think it's because... Uh countries or global structures and so on just are not very personalized anymore like if you kill someone he just immediately gets replaced by someone who is exactly the same like, yes i don't the think memory, the uh, memory of that murder however will be in their heads as a deterrent and if it's not it'll be in the heads of the next one people are not as fanatical and, and determined as you know that's very rare that they would be willing to risk death you know but it's actually pretty hard to do to actually maintain this uh, assassination machine inside ukraine and kill all the presidents that uh, russians don't like all the time it's pretty hard to do really and uh, it's way simpler to just um, wage a forever war in the eastern and southern ukraine But yeah, you're right. Uh, Russia is a Chechen Muslim country uh, ruled by Han Chinese overlords. So it is. <laughs> it is quite interesting because uh, technically, like uh, the role of Chechens for since 1991, really has been to be exactly like this this uh, assassin case in Russia, yes. and which political forces use against each other to assassinate each other. Look, I do think it's it's more uh, effective than people think. Uh, the idiot uh, John Schindler, is that his name? The guy who self-compromised by sending dick pics. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. He, uh, people can find him under 20 committee. He's he's a Russia uh, obsessive. Expert. Yeah, Russia. Well, yeah, ex <laughs> yeah, Russia expert. He was He's a Russia ex uh, expert obsessive going back to the time of Trump, who was saying that Trump was a Russian agent. Um, but one thing he is correct about is just the historical fact about uh, Yugoslav 
intelligence during the Cold War, they they were very effective assassinating their dissidents abroad and so on, you know. I don't know. I think it does work. I, <laughs> Back in the day, it did work, like in late 19th century, early 20th century. But now we don't really see that much of the Hashashin caste killing all the rulers. Maybe it's for the wars. But yeah, I mean, I, do, I, yeah. I mean, in a way, I agree with Bapir that it would be uh, certainly um, assassinations <laughs> and duels and so on is a more noble affair than levy on mass. You could easily argue that, like the practice of uh, mass conscription, mass mobilization uh, that the French invented during the Revolutionary Wars has been the single worst social development in uh, European history and that it caused just uh, an endless amount of problems and social decay and yeah. that it would be much more, uh, much better to just have like, uh, if you have um, the medieval sort of warfare where you have a small retinues fighting each other Yes. Or, or just assassinating. Putin is not immune to this at all. He's afraid. If he does that, then the gentlemanly agreement would be broken and yeah. the Ukrainians would also try to assassinate him. And they have a lot of agents inside Russia. They kind of yes. tried. It does happen. People have tried to assassinate uh, Bolsonaro. He got knifed. Um, the guy uh, who founded the Vox party in oh, Spain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Spanish um, guy got shot in the face the other he day. He got right? shot in the face. They're saying it was the Iranians, but it's it looks very much to me like the tactics of the old Spanish left. Um, and uh, so it does still take place sometimes. Um, but you're right. Maybe there is a gentlemanly agreement among governments not to do that. That, however, doesn't explain why when you get a chimp out, you get... I think there's something broken in modern men. Uh, again, it goes to a lack of vision of greatness that they never try to assassinate whenever these you hear a chimp out and it's always they go and they shoot up random nobodies, you know, and uh, on, on whatever side you choose, whether it's the Palestinians, whether it's people on the... Israel whatever yeah, yeah yeah well well yeah but the only the only people who did that on Israel's side like lone wolf that type of thing was what what was his name Baruch Goldstein and he also just went into like uh, a random mosque and started shooting nobodies but in the west i mean uh, when whenever you see chimpouts whether it's a muslim or the very rare type of let's say far right chimpout they're always shooting you know, nobodies, and they don't even try. And it it just seems very strange to be, including, by the way, the 9-11 attacks, where, yeah, 3,000 people died, and they, coincidentally, they were all nobodies. You know, like, it, it's it's very odd. There's there's never an, a, an attempt. Yeah, I think, yeah I think, it's weird how all the important people didn't come into work. <laughs> well, no, I mean, my friend Loki thinks no, that he... He actually thinks that this means that the, these modern terror attacks are almost all some type of fakery, which could mean, let's say, a federal agent enticing a mentally ill person to attack random nobody, something like that. But they're not uh, carefully planned out terror attacks against people who matter. Not that that would be a good thing, but it's odd that you don't get those attempts. Like um, Breivik was maybe that. In, but not even that, right? The Breivik attacked. He killed a, Chechens, yeah. He killed the Chechen camp. Jorkin, actually. On the island of Utoya. Well, those were the children of the Norwegian 
a socialist elite, and that was they were not really children; they were over eighteen, uh, and they were at a summer indoctrination communist camp. That didn't work either, and um, that also was an attack on on let's say a very soft art. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems it seems odd. Is all I'm saying, but it's a merely a historical observation, you know. Uh, yeah. Before we change topic, on the topic of Spain, yeah. I had two questions. One of my own. Uh, Bob, do you think things in Spain are going to kick off in a serious way or is it just nothing happens as usual? My Spanish right-wing friends are telling me that the protests are much too small and they're mm. disorganized and they are taking place in a, some very limited, yes, in front of the Socialist Party headquarters, but uh, they are much too small, I think, to make a difference. And so... Uh, I'm afraid that uh, this so-called coup by the, it's an internal coup by the socialist government where they are Ill illegally granting amnesty mm -hmm. to the Catalans to get a kind of permanent support from them, which would give them a more or less, from my understanding, more or less permanent um, uh, majority. And so then they'd be able yeah. to do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah this, I, uh, it, it's really this Catalan separatism, nationalism, it's really the same thing as, uh, you know, like, Scottish nationalism or Irish yeah. nationalism nowadays. It's like where they want to split from a state for ostensibly nationalist reasons, but it's actually they just want to become direct vessels of Brussels instead. It's really bizarre to me. Uh, it, they, If you go to Barcelona, it has the most migrants in Spain, Uh, Barcelona and also Basque country. So where Bilbao, the, the capital of Basque country, they're both quite rich areas, but um, it has, Bilbao is, I think, the second most murderous city in Europe at the moment. Mm. And so, yes, it's very strange that you're getting these kinds of, not just nationalist, but by the way, uh, leftist nationalist. Yeah, the, ki yeah. the kind of rhetoric you can hear from the Peronists in Argentina or from, to some extent, Mr. Bannon in the US. Uh, but as soon as they come to power, they do infinity migrants. You know, um, yeah, it is strange. If I may give another example about the assassination matters, if you look at 1920s, Germany, there was organization consul, which carried out hundreds of assassinations. And meanwhile, the Reds, the communists were also doing it. And a similar thing took place in Buenos Aires in Argentina in the 1970s. These things, whether they work or not, it, it's a separate matter. The fact that uh, so-called violent extremists today, Islamic especially, they are the most showy people know about them, but that others also do not even try to go there, but they think they should, you have to uh, blow up people in a shawarma shop or a pizzeria. I think there's something odd there, is all I'm saying. I mean, um, you could make the analogy to Russian nihilists here, because in the 19th century, you had both assassinations and random terror attacks in Russia. And basically what the nihilists said is that they blow up random cafes first of all because they just like enjoy like watching random people suffer and die because yes. they're insane sociopaths but also because the randomness is kind of the point because it erodes trust in the system to keep the people safe 
And like the legitimacy of any government is based on keeping the average person safe from violence. And if the targets are really random, completely random, and anyone, any random person in the street can get blown up by some uh, psycho, that uh, kind of reduces the legitimacy of the government if it can't stop it. So it does make sort of sense if you look at it from that angle, I think. I know that's one of the justifications that's used. And uh, Al-Qaeda had a separate one that they would, if you read their tract called The Management of Savagery, I think their stated plan was that they would go the United States into committing to the Middle East, into entering wars there so that they could bog down the United States in in that area and so forth. Um, That makes some sense. But what you just said now, I don't know that it, has any historical uh are there any historical examples where that's ever worked because it seems that the opposite happened yes it delegitimized for example the israeli left the second intifada and that's what led to bibi and it actually mobilizes society in the opposite direction i don't even know that in world war ii the bombings that were carried out on civilian populations ever had any effect on 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 the war one way or another, right? And even the Japanese didn't surrender because of the nuclear weapons. They surrendered because Russia entered the war against them, right? Yes. So, hmm. Yes, no, I, I agree that it's uh, not necessarily uh, like a sensible theory of uh, violent terrorism, but it's uh, it's it does have some internal coherence. Like, yes. like um, the, the justification... It doesn't have to be true to to make to internally make sense for for the people who do it. Yes, what I fear that someone like my friend Loki Julianus is right is that it, whenever you have counter terrorism establishments, you end up having these senseless terrorist attacks. They are yes. sym- symbiotic with each other, and I'm not even saying that they are in a back room rubbing hands, planning actually to have innocent people killed. But uh, think of the kind of people who go into a counterterrorism, FBI, whatever. They are also retards. And so uh, basically it appears that every single big attack in the United States was FBI informant retards gone out of control. That was the Tsarnaev brothers in Boston and yeah. the, the Orlando shooter, the, you know, the, the he shut up a gay nightclub or something. And both of them were... FBI informants that Putin tried to warn the United States about. And then people look at that and think that FBI agent actually told these people to do that. Um, But I think it's just, you know, they got out of hand and you have a counter-terror establishment that is focused on these things. It ends up um, inadvertently causing, uh, I don't know. No, of course, that's completely right. It's like, I think, uh, uh, what was his name? Robert Michels, he spoke about this. I think, what what did he call it? The, The... uh, some sort of law of iron law of bureaucracy or something that basically any organization uh, ends up doing the exact opposite of what it was founded for. And if you have, for example, like a charity organization that collects money for blind children, that in 20 years this organization will end up walking the streets and kidnapping children and uh, stabbing them in the eyes to make them blind just so they have more blind children to collect money for and i think counterterrorism works in a very similar way 
Yes, people are exceptionally stupid and depraved. Before we go to break, let me ask you another question about since we're on the subject of terrorism. In Russia, one of the worst terror attacks, I remember not that long ago, it made me so angry about what happened at Beslan. Yes. And I, I was hoping that, and you should tell the audience because I forget exactly the details, but it was basically Chechen terrorists butchering hundreds of children in schools. And I'm... I was hoping after that 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 Putler would absolutely crush Chechnya or crush something. Was there a retaliation for that? What happened with that? Yes, it was in the Caucasus. It was uh, in, not in a ethnic Russian region. It, North Ossetia. It was yeah. in yes, in North Ossetia, Beswan. Chechens, they the the um, what were they called? I think Riyatus uh, Salihin Brigade. Uh, by Shamil Basayev. Um, it was not just Chechens, but uh, you know the uh, in the Caucasus Emirate insurgency was very internationalized with with lots of like Arabic terrorists and so on joining yes. them. And yes, they captured the school um, and took every on the first day of the school year, and they took many hundreds of uh, children hostage. And uh, it was a very shitty situation because. Ossetia itself is not, it's a quite corrupt region and uh, they, the terrorists uh, gave bribes to local cops and they were left, that they were led through checkpoints and so on. And in the end, Russian Spetsnaz had to attack the school because they started um, executing hostages and also because the parents themselves started rushing the school to save their children. And yes. so, so these special forces had to start uh, assaulting the school. And overall, I think uh, over 300 uh, people died. Well, it led to a lot of changes. Um, there were very heavily security measures. Um, I think like tens of thousands, there were a lot of raids uh, against immigrants and so on. I think uh, just in Moscow, uh, something like 10,000 people were arrested. And uh, yes. Um, and so on, and yes, yeah, so there were heavier counterterrorism laws, and it's I think it was back then when the uh, discussion of the death penalty became uh, came back to Russia, but yes. that ha- hadn't been done. There's something broken, I think, in in modern mankind in general, where you see, for example, also the lack of retaliation murders. For example, somebody's family gets killed in a showy way in the United States. And not only do they go on TV, as you know, and ask for peace and say to try to display their anti-racist nature and so on. But uh, in any previous time, you'd have family actually hoping that the law stays out of the way so they can retaliate themselves directly. And you almost never see that now. There's uh, Somebody's family gets killed and... Uh, you know, the, the guy gets uh, either gets off or gets a relatively light sentence and there's no retaliation. I just find all of these odd. There's something broken in yeah. modern men. They're fucking faggots. Yes, but there was a different kind of activism that was happening on the Russian streets right after Beslan. A more direct one, let's say that. But that's enough for a free version. A full two-hour version of our conversation can be accessed on RWA, Patreon or Gumroad. Go to a description box and pick any membership tier you want. And you will get a full access to all of our interviews, historical episodes, military analysis, news digests and uh, cultural exploration. 
And besides, you will get access to our secret chat, where we will be hosting Russian lessons for everyone who is interested. I think it's a pretty damn good deal. See you there.